0: Well, good morning, Chapel Hill. My name's Ellis White. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a pastoral intern here at Chapel Hill, and I want to start by sharing some good news with you this morning. This uh, Thursday afternoon, I got notification that I passed my written ordination exams. All that, all that remains is this Friday, 2 p.m., New Hope Church in Kent, Washington, to be examined by our presbytery to determine whether I am called to serve this congregation as an assistant pastor for evangelism. So please, thank you for your prayers, and please continue to be in prayer for me this week as that approaches. And then here's a date for your calendar, all right? Get your phones out now, whatever you want, write it down. February 12th, Sunday, February 12th, 6 p.m., right here in this sanctuary, there will be a service of ordination for myself to which you are all invited to come and uh, invite anyone else that you want. would love to see you here reception afterwards in the gathering place. God willing, of course, if I pass this Friday. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to be the assistant pastor for evangelism, and in many ways, I'm, I'm kind of coming back around to to doing what I did when I first came here. Five and a half years ago, my wife Rachel and I, we came to Gig Harbor on missionary visas. We were literally missionaries to Gig Harbor. and One of the first things that we did was start a prayer meeting for the city, because we knew that if we were going to see the city transformed, it had to begin in prayer. We've been talking a lot about prayer these last few months at Chapel Hill. We talked about the Lord's Prayer in the fall. We studied it. We prayed through it. We did 24-7 prayer. We uh, did the prayers of Christmas and Advent through that season. And this winter, we are entering a series called Intercede, where we're turning our hearts outward, and we are praying for others. Two weeks ago, Pastor Mark kicked off by encouraging us to pray for the Capital C Church. Last week, he talked about praying for our nation. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, please go and download it this week. Listen to it on our website or our app. It is a timely message for this country, this nation at this time. This week, we are talking about praying for our city, interceding for our city. And in order to do so, I want us to look at a passage from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet who lived in Jerusalem about 600 years before Jesus. And at that time, the people of Judah, those were the people in the area surrounding Jerusalem, God's people, they were living in fear of the Babylonian Empire, this big superpower in the world at the time. They were, they were afraid that Babylon were going to come and take over their nation and, uh, and get rid of their king and uh, destroy their cities. And in the end, they did. And uh, they, this happened in several stages. And at one of the early stages, when they came and they, they took over the nation, they exiled a bunch of people away to Babylon. You might have heard of the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Well, well, Daniel was one of those people who was exiled around 597 or 600 around there, BC. And Jeremiah was one of the people who wasn't exiled. There were a whole bunch of people who stayed in Jerusalem until the city was destroyed a number of years later. And Jeremiah, in this section of his book, is writing a letter to these exiles in Babylon. Now, to kind of put it in modern terms, to help us understand what this might be like today, I want you to imagine if ISIS were to take over the United States and that you were to be exiled to Syria. And I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of an American exile in Syria. You were, you've been ripped from your country, ripped from your homeland, perhaps separated from your family. You've been immersed in a culture utterly foreign to you. And, and you're in the midst of a nation that your only desire is to overthrow the power which is controlling that nation. That's where these exiles found themselves. And so as you hear these words of this letter of Jeremiah to the exiles, I want you to put yourself in that position. Think how these words would come across to you. So we're going to read from Jeremiah 29 verse 4. It's going to be on the screens, but you can grab your, your Bibles as well to take a look at that. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Father, I ask this morning that you would bring these words to life for us, that even though they were written two and a half millennia ago, that this morning, God, you would speak to us through them. Would your spirit be present, challenging us, empowering us, and enabling us to be the church in the midst of this city that is seeking the welfare of this city? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jeremiah starts this, this letter by, by saying something which I think is, would have been utterly radical to the exiles who were in Babylon. He, he starts by saying, God sent you. Okay, This is how he opens his letter. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, these exiles probably thought that God had utterly abandoned them. He'd left them behind. As far as they were concerned, the fact that Babylon had taken over the nation of God, the people of God, was a sign that God had given up on them, that he had abandoned them and forsaken them. But Jeremiah wants them to know that God has not forgotten you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He has sent you to Babylon. As I said, when I first came to Gig Harbor, I came as a missionary And the word missionary literally means one who is sent. And it's my conviction that every single follower of Jesus is a missionary. After Jesus was resurrected, before he ascended into heaven, he appeared to his disciples. And he said to them, as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And we, as followers of Jesus, receive that same commission from Jesus. We, as followers of Jesus, are all missionaries, ones who are sent. Every single one of us who follows Jesus is a missionary to Gig Harbor, to this peninsula, to Fox Island, to Tacoma, to Port Orchard, to the Key Peninsula. We are all missionaries if we are followers of Jesus. And not only that, but I believe we are all exiles in this world too. Peter, one of Jesus' followers, when he wrote a letter to the churches, he addressed them as the elect exiles. Paul, when he wrote his letter to the church in Philippi, said that our citizenship is in heaven, that we are citizens of heaven, not citizens of earth, but citizens of heaven. For those who are followers of Jesus, our home is not this world. Our home is with Jesus. And therefore, we are exiles in this world. We are exiles who have been sent by God, missionaries sent by God to this world. And so I think when we read these words of Jeremiah, this this letter to the exiles who've been sent, I think these words apply directly to us today. And so I want us to see what can we learn from these words this morning? What challenges does Jeremiah give to those people that we can ask ourselves, how are we doing on those things? And there are three ways I think he challenges the exiles who are in Babylon. He says to them, invest in the city, seek the welfare of the city, and intercede for the city. He starts by saying, invest in the city. Verses five and six, he, uh, this is what it says. Build houses And live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. If we keep reading beyond this passage, we discover that there were other prophets who were prophesying to the exiles at this this time. And what they were saying to the exiles was, You're going to be out of here in no time at all. Okay? Don't settle down. Don't start building houses. Don't bother planting gardens because you're not going to be here when the fruit grows up. And definitely don't have kids because you don't want them to get confused about whether they're from Judah or from Babylon. Just wait. You're going to be back in Judah in no time at all. But Jeremiah has heard from the Lord on this particular topic. And as we read on, we discover that that God has said to him, these exiles are going to be there 70 years. And so Jeremiah says to the exiles, you need to invest in the city. You need to settle in. You need to build homes and live in them. Don't just live in tents for 70 years. You need to plant gardens because you are going to reap the produce year after year after year. And you need to have sons and daughters and get married and multiply and increase. Invest in this city because you are going to be here for a a long time. When my wife Rachel and I had been here two and a half years, we recognized that although we were invested in this church, we were not invested in this city. We recognized that we didn't have any relationships with people outside of this church. And we felt challenged by this. And so we began to pray and say, God, who are you calling us to invest in? Which communities in this city are you calling us to invest long term in the relationships of those communities? For me, as, as I began to pray, I, I recognized, you know, what? I, I exercise all the time, but I do it by myself. Why am I not doing it with other people? And so I I decided to join the Y, and I said, I'll I'll pick a class, and I'll go to it. So I picked this 5.30 a.m. boot camp class. Now, I was not a morning person. I am not a morning person still. It's ugly. But I I felt God was saying to me, Ellis, invest in this community. Pour in to those relationships. So I, so I turned up. I started showing up r- religiously, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I hung around and, and got to know the people, became friends with them, drank coffee with them, got to know their families outside of that time, spent time with them, invested in that community. And there was a cost, right? Not just to my sleep. There was, there was a cost to relationships with people in this church. I didn't have as much time or energy for relationships with people in this church. And there was a cost to my wife, Rachel. You know, we just had our first child, Evelyn, at that point, And subsequently, we've, we've had Ezra. And three mornings a week, I abandon her and leave her to fend for herself as the kids are screaming and creating torture. <laughs> but I invested because we felt called to. Rachel similarly felt called to invest. She, she felt called to invest in the young moms of this community. And so she started going where the young moms go. She started going to story time at the library. She started hanging out at the park. She started going to, to preschool park. She, as she went to these places, she began talking to these young moms, began getting to know them, exchanging cell phone numbers, adding them on Facebook, and began inviting them into our home, into, uh, uh, going to their homes. We even had, I'm, I'm looking at Sandy right here. This is Sandy's home. She welcomed all these young moms into her home and began to have playdates, and get to know these young mums, invest in those relationships. And it cost her. It cost her. She was at a time in her life where I'm going through seminary, I'm, I'm, I'm working for the church as well, and, and we're trying to raise one and then two kids. And she was stretched thin, and she was pouring out into the lives of these young women, because she felt called to, when she didn't have a lot to give. And it cost her the kids' schedules. I mean to meet these mums when's convenient for them, you have to sacrifice the perfect nap time for your kids. And mums here know how difficult that is. And she sacrificed the kids being well all the time, because when kids hang out with kids, they get sick. All right? Petri dishes of disease. <laughs> there was a cost. But we felt called to invest. And Jeremiah says the same thing to these exiles in Babylon and he says the same thing to us today church where are we investing in this community where are we pouring into relationships not just inside the church but beyond the church where are we investing or maybe we feel a bit like I did 3 years ago I'm too busy I'm just too too tired I work too hard or I'm just too comfortable We are called to invest in relationships in this city. Invest long term. And there will be a cost. But there will also be a return on the investment. And I'll get to that later. So the first thing Jeremiah writes, invest in the city. The second thing, seek the welfare of the city. Verse 7 says this, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Notice he re-emphasizes that I've sent you. Decided that God sent them. Seek the welfare of the city. Now, when we come to think about how this might apply to Gig Harbor, it might be kind of difficult for us in some senses, because if we ask the question, is Gig Harbor faring well? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Top five small town in in the U.S., according to Smithsonian Magazine, 2014. We're, We're doing pretty good. But the reality was that Babylon was also doing good. This was the biggest empire in the world at the time. They were prosperous beyond anyone else. The cities were thriving. So when Jeremiah writes to these exiles, seek the welfare of the city, he's probably not saying seek the material prosperity of the city. So what is he talking about? Well, this word welfare, when you go back to the original language, the Hebrew is a word you all know, shalom. Shalom. We know it as a greeting that, that Jews use for one another. But Pastor Mark referred to it last week, and this is how he defined it. He said it was a deep, God-given sense of unity and harmony and well-being. When Jeremiah says, seek the welfare of the city, he says, seek the shalom. Seek the deep, God-given sense of peace, of harmony, of well-being of this city. As Rachel and I began to invest in these communities, we began to ask ourselves, what is shalom for them? What does good news look like for these people? What, what is peace? What is welfare for these people that we're investing in? And we came to realize that what is good news for them, for boot campers, for, for young moms, is deep, authentic, meaningful relationships. I was chatting this last week with a member of this church. She said she was in the weight room at the Y and she was watching another woman working out she was doing pull-ups and, uh, and was looking at her and going, oh man, I wish my body looked like hers, okay? Don't say you've never been there, all right? <laughs> 20 minutes later or so, she's walking out of the Y and she notices the woman's walking out next to her. So in a, in a moment of real honesty, she turns to the woman and she says, I'm going to be honest with you, I I was looking at you when you were working out in there, and I wish I had a body like yours. This woman pulls out a packet of cigarettes, puts one in her mouth, lights up, and says, don't be. I work out to deal with all the stress that I have in my life. What you see on the outside is not an accurate representation of the disaster that I am on the inside. Our society is starved of relationships. And as a result, we dig in deeper and try harder ourselves. We push further into isolation, further into self-reliance, further into depression. I know because I've been there and I do this. I fight by myself. People are longing for other people they can trust. They're longing for people who cut through the fakery, who don't portray an image of themselves, but are honest and real with one another. Shalom for this community is deep, authentic, transparent relationships. Relationships where people are willing to admit, I don't have it all together, that I need help. Relationships where people don't feel the need to portray a certain image anymore. Relationships where people are honest with one another. Seek the welfare, seek the shalom of the city. Where are you seeking the shalom of the city? Where are you investing in deep, authentic, transparent relationships with others? Where are you saying to people, I don't have it all together? Christians don't have it all together and that is the heart of what we believe because we don't need to have it all together. We've got a savior. Where are you being honest with people? Where are you listening and caring deeply for others rather than just rushing off to whatever you've got to do next? Taking that time, noticing that there's hurt there, there's pain there, pressing into it. Where are you seeking the shalom? Because people are longing for people they can trust. Because they too want to admit that they don't have it all together. And it's at that moment, it's at that moment that people discover their need for Jesus. Invest in the city. Seek the welfare of the city. And the third thing that Jeremiah challenges the exiles to do, intercede for the city. This is what he writes, middle of verse seven. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. You know, this city did not know God. They knew all sorts of gods, but they did not know Yahweh, the creator of the world, the sustainer of all things, the the one who actually had power to act in this world. And Jeremiah says to the exiles, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand on the behalf of those people who don't know God. I want you to intercede for them, to the God that you know. The God that you know created the world, the God that you know delivered you out of slavery in Egypt, the God that you know brought you into the promised land, and the God that you know sent you here, the God who has power to act in this world, I want you to stand on their behalf and pray to that God for them because they don't know how to pray to that God. But you do. And you can intercede on their behalf. Prayer is a powerful way to seek the shalom of this city. Powerful things happen. When we pray. My wife Rachel. over a year, Just over a year ago. She was on a, a community group on, on Facebook. And there was someone who posted and said. I'm a new mom to the, to the city. And uh, I'm, I'm looking for, uh, to connect with other moms. So she replied and said. Hey I, I got a group that, that meets on Tuesday mornings. We got a play date. Come along and, and, and be a part of it. And, and she didn't think anything of it. And then Tuesday morning came around. And, and this mom showed up. So this week I asked Rachel if she could. Contact this mom and, and ask her, what, what was that experience like for you? And this, this is what she wrote. I was in a new town, new baby, no friends, no family. It was probably safe to say I was depressed, lonely, exhausted, and overwhelmed. We sat and talked about how I was new. I missed family. I felt overwhelmed, and I was unsure how to meet people. You told me a bit about your journey coming to the church, that you'd met a lot of people, but you were hoping to make deeper connections. I started to cry, and I shared with you that my husband had been laid off on Friday. You asked me if it was all right if you prayed for me, and I said it was. You prayed about my husband's job and about our circumstances at that time. That was the first time anyone had asked me if they could pray for me. Let me tell you, meeting you honestly changed my life. I remember driving home the Tuesday I met you, and I felt hope. This mom has been a part of that group and a part of this church ever since. Prayer is powerful. When we stand on the behalf of those who do not know or do not have a relationship With the God of this universe. When we intercede for them. With the God that we know. When we ask him to bring his shalom in their lives. Powerful things happen. Things change. The spiritual atmosphere changes. Shalom comes. This week. Who is it that you can turn to? That you know who are you in relationship with that you can say, can I pray for you about that right now? And then stand on their behalf before God and ask for his shalom. Who can you do that for? Another way that we can do this is, is rather than just as an individual, is as a whole church, we can stand and we can intercede for the city as a whole. We're going to finish this morning by doing that. And then I'm going to encourage us all to come back together this afternoon the rain is scheduled to stop and at 4 p.m we're going to gather in front of the post office downtown on judson street and we are going to walk through this city and we're going to pray we're going to intercede on behalf of this city praying for god's shalom to come and then i want to encourage you to do it again in your own neighborhood grab your family go for a walk and pray. There's a, there's a handout, a blue handout in your, in your bulletin that tells you how to prayer walk. It's pretty simple. You walk and you pray. I know multitasking is hard for some people. There's more instructions on there than that. But I want to encourage you this week, if we stand on behalf of this city, those who don't know God, and we intercede for them and we pray, To God and seek their shalom. I believe powerful things can happen. Shalom can come. Welfare, peace, unity can come in the city. Invest in the city. Seek the welfare of the city. Intercede for the city. Before we intercede for the city, there's one final thing that that I read earlier that I haven't talked about that, that Jeremiah wrote. And it's a promise. I want to finish with that promise. End of verse 7, this is what Jeremiah writes. For in its welfare, in the welfare of the city, you will find your welfare. In the shalom of the city, you will find your shalom. 2016 was a really hard year for me and my family. As many of you know, my father passed away unexpectedly in February. We continued to raise these, these two young kids. I continued to, to pursue my seminary studies, which thankfully are now over. And I continued to work for this church. And, and I had a really hard time. I did that thing where I just fought harder by myself and pushed more into myself and isolated myself. And, and my wife had to be a rock for the family. She had to support us all. She had to keep going through it all. And, and, and it was hard. It pushed our marriage to its limits. It pushed our parenting to its its limits. But here's the thing. Through it all, those communities that we had invested in, that we had sought the shalom of, that was where we found our shalom in 2016. That's where we found our peace. And for me, going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5.30 in the morning to the Y, I would find physical emotional, spiritual peace, this community that I had poured into, that I had invested in, that I'd sought the peace of, sought the welfare of, I was receiving back that welfare from that community. There was a return on that investment. And the same was true for Rachel. This community of young moms surrounded her, loved her, poured into her in this season. Church, there is a promise. When we invest in the city, when we seek the welfare of the city, when we intercede for this city, and this city finds peace, finds unity, finds well being, we will find our well being in the well being of the city. So may you, as exiles sent to this city, to this community, invest in the city, seek the welfare of the city. And intercede for the city. And in its welfare, may you find your welfare. Let's pray. God, we stand now as a church on behalf of this community, the city, this peninsula. And God, we intercede for those who don't know you We stand on their behalf and we pray to you, the God who loves all people and desires that all people would be saved. God, we come to you and we ask, would you bring your shalom in this city? Would you bring your peace? Would you bring your deep sense of well-being in this city? God, we pray for individuals that you would bring your wholeness to their lives. We pray for families that you would bring peace and healing to their relationships. We pray for neighborhoods that you would bring harmony between neighbors, whether it's fighting and discord. We pray for businesses, God, that you would bless them economically, that they would prosper, that they would know well-being. We pray for churches, God, would you use the churches of this city to heal the broken-hearted we pray for schools, that you would unite students and teachers in love. We pray for nonprofits, God, that you would use them to enable humans to flourish, to know life to the full. We pray for hospitals and medical centers, that you would use them to bring physical healing to those who are suffering. God, we pray for the police and the fire department, that God, you would use them to bring restoration in this community. And we pray for our city officials. God, bring unity between them. We pray for this city. We stand on its behalf as ones who believe in the Lord God Almighty. And we ask that you would bring your peace in this city, your shalom, your well-being amongst the people. God, would you do that? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.